Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hello everybody and welcome back to For the Love of Pomegranate podcast and I'm delighted today to be able to sit down and have a chat with uh, my favourite, what everybody's favourite, I know everybody's favourite uh, Peruvian man and that's Luis Miguel Echegaray. Luis, absolutely delighted to have you back on, people you may know him, you'll obviously know him from Twitter if anybody has ever been on Twitter and typed in AVFC into Twitter, you've come across a tweet, um, but also from the K Golato podcast as well, which is a, a superb listen. If you guys aren't listening to that, you absolutely should, and I'm sure you absolutely are. But uh, Luis, thank you so much for popping on. Oh my God, thank you so much for once again that great intro. I feel like, again, I need to give you part of my agent's fees. You do it so well. Uh, uh, <laughs> but no, I appreciate it. Thanks. I'm so happy to be back. Always good to talk about the villa. Absolutely. And, you know, always good to talk about the Villa and the Villa are doing, doing good things as well. And that's what we're here to talk about today. So while we don't have any real massive transfer news at the moment, there is an awful lot of, um, awful lot of, as we would say here in Ireland, there's an awful lot of spuds boiling in the pot here at the moment. So, you know, it just, uh, it's, it's trying to find which, uh, which, which rumor, I suppose, on which transfer piece is actually going to come true. But before we get into that, um, Lise, Miguel, talk to me about your excitement about Aston Villa, you know, only it's been such a kind of, a, I'm not even going to say a season of two halves, but it's been it's been two very different um, emotional uh, roller coasters, I think, so far this season. And how, are you, how have you seen it? How have you seen it since the start of the season to now? No, I think, honestly, uh, calling it season of two halves is kind of a good way to describe it. I kind of see it as, you know, a really good TV show, right? Where, like, <laughs> The beginning is kind of setting you everything up for what's to come. And to your point, you know, we began the season with Dean Smith and, you know, things were not going well, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, the, our loyalty to, to a great man uh, remained, but we were all worried. And then suddenly 
you know, Steven Gerrard, uh, who really has just uh, given this club not just a new focus, but this energy inside and outside of the pitch. It, it, I mean, listen, you can't blame Dean Smith for not being one of the greatest midfielders that's ever played the game, right? Which is something that comes with Steven Gerrard. And also being a young manager, impressive, the owners and coming in has really revitalized this team. But I think you've nailed it. It, it, it's a, it, it feels like another season ever since Steven Gerrard came in. Obviously, not just the results, which have been uh, really commendable. You know, we, we have seen some shades of not great performances, but the majority of what we've seen has been great. And then January has just been amazing. I mean, in, I, almost surreal. Felipe Coutinho is a villain. I mean, that's just ridiculous. So with him, Lucas Dean, and of course, all the other reports that you're talking about, and I'm sure we'll get into it, has just been amazing. So everybody's just feeling so good, positive. It's great to be a villain. Absolutely. And you, you actually touched on, uh, on the first person I wanted to talk about, and that is Felipe Coutinho. Obviously, you know, um, I'm sure more than most people in the UK and specifically here in Ireland, you would be uh, interested in South American qualifications for World Cup. And I'm sure he's been tormentor in chief when it's come to uh, Brazil versus, uh, you know, your your beloved Peru. But uh, I want to talk a small a bit about him. And, you know, obviously we've seen him only in, in a fleeting few minutes. Obviously, his, his debut goal was was exactly everything that we wanted and more. Um, but, you know, the, the potential that this guy has, and it seems strange to say that about a 29-year-old, but the, the potential this guy has to really drive us on to the next level is huge. But talk to me a small bit about him and, you know, I suppose any any bits and pieces that you're looking to see him rekindle at his time at Aston Villa. No, absolutely. Listen, I think you're, you're right on the money. Uh, you know, I think being 29 years old, it doesn't really mean anything these days, especially in the caliber of a player that he is. Look, there's... I interviewed Felipe Coutinho back when I was with Sports Illustrated, now with CBS Sports. I interviewed him when he was with Bayern Munich. And one thing that I, you know, I actually based the entire foundation of the article on this. And one thing that I really, that left me uh, with me after talking to him was just how positive he is, how optimistic he is, and how sensitive he is. He's a sensitive player. He needs that attention. He needs that care. Right. Because he's the kind of player that is, he doesn't, you know, I said it in my article for CBS Sports once he signed with us or in the process of it. He's the kind of player that doesn't need to be the main dish of a squad, mm -hmm. but or, or the number one dish, but he needs to be, you know, a very important part of the menu. And that's exactly, you know, what's going on with Steven Jared. He knows that, you know, he, he, he says in his own autobiography when Luis Suarez was leaving for Barcelona, he said to Steven Gerrard, take care of Coutinho. He, he needs to have that kind of attention. And, you know, they're very good friends, et cetera. And listen, from a footballing perspective, people, you know, forget Villa fans, everybody, and obviously because I follow him as well from a Brazilian perspective, South American perspective, the things that he has achieved already are remarkable. People forget he was the best player for Brazil in the World Cup in 2018 by mm. far, right? A, an influential player with Coach Tite. Uh, up to so late. He actually hasn't started for them since October 2020. It's just the abundance of talent with Brazil. But look, I mean, titles in, you know, as the song that I just love so much says, you know, titles in Spain and, you know, uh, with Bayern Munich and now he's coming to the Villa. I think it, it's a massive uh, move. But most importantly, out of everything else, he is a statement purchase. He is a, an acquisition saying that Aston Villa means business. Steven Gerrard wants world-class 
local youth talent, which is what we can see with Jacob Ramsey, et cetera, right? And players that understand the meaning of competition, both in the Premier League and in Europe. And that is Felipe Coutinho. And like you said, his, you know, introduction in that ridiculous game against Manchester United and then, you know, getting his feet a little wetter uh, in the Everton win as well has been, you know, just a little bit of a glimpse of what we're going to see. But it's a per it's a purchase of a statement. It's saying to the rest of the Premier League, this is not your Aston Villa from two seasons ago, three seasons ago, you know, four seasons ago when we were like 15th in the championship. This is a team that's ready to return once again to glory. That's a great point. That's that is an absolutely brilliant point. And and I think another great point that you made as well there is that, you know, he is only still getting his feet wet within this team. And I really should have done some research and seen was he called up for, for the Brazilian squad for this uh, this international. He was window. he was called up. He was. Yeah. he was called up, but he hasn't started for Brazil since October 2020. Yes. So it's gonna be now Brazil have already qualified to the World Cup. Uh, you know, but they do have Vinicius Junior, Lucas Paqueta, Rafinha, like all these players. But I think Coutinho hopefully will get some minutes just because of the energy that he has revitalized himself with Aston Villa. And that's yeah, and that's a good point. Like I think he's in a win-win situation. It would be great if he'd stayed around Bodymore Heat, be able to work with our coaching staff, maybe work with some of the players that are there, get in, get a foothold, I suppose, within what the what the ethos of this team of our team building is going to be. But the fact that he's going to go out and be training with Brazil, hopefully he gets some games. Hopefully he stays fit and he doesn't yeah. get injured. You know, that's that is a big thing. Um also, you know, I suppose you have to be kind of and I know he's just coming back from COVID, but you have to be kind of weary with people traveling around the world, the potential to, to test positive and and so on. But no, he's uh, he would be someone I'll be looking out to see if he does play um in, in this international window for sure. And uh you know, he's somebody that uh, we we potentially have quite a lot of eyes on the South American teams should i say over this this window because um i suppose looking forward to somebody that we are being very very heavily linked with and that is rodrigo bentancourt from um from juventus obviously the the uruguayan international 24 years of age almost 50 caps for uruguay like that's a fantastic tally at such such a young age i've done a piece in him very much from a statistical point of view i watched i watched six of his games to get a better better feeling for him uh, you know inside out and um i personally am pretty high in him but i want to get your feeling on him and see how you feel about the about the Uruguayan uh, six or eight, depending on where you uh, where you think you might be able to play. Well, listen, the answer lies within uh, in part of what you just mentioned there. I think anybody that doesn't know Rodrigo Bentancur's game, and I'm not just talking about Juventus, I'm mainly talking about Uruguay. And as you mentioned, 24 years old, 50 caps. I mean, that's you know we have to remember a few things. Okay, number one, 24, like you said. Number two. He comes from the school of Boca Juniors Academy, okay, that completely made him into the, the, the player that he is. He is an eight-slash-attacking six, somebody that can also be mm -hmm. a sort of, uh, you know, Paul Pogba in, in many ways. He's not, I'm not comparing him to him. I'm I know, just yes, yeah. In the way that he can go up and link up with the strikers, break the lines, but at the same time, you know, does a lot of work when it comes to covering the mid middle of the park as well as being a hard tackler, okay? That was all trained at Boca Juniors. To your point about 50 appearances for Uruguay, okay, the, he's not the manager anymore, but El Maestro mm -hmm. Oscar Tavares, who was there forever, he revolutionized men's soccer in Uruguay. He, he completely revolutionized it, okay? And so mm -hmm. he knows the system, the national team setup, 
you know, all the way from, you know, your three-year-olds to your senior team. That yes. Gala Charrua, that sort of Uruguayan, you know, will to fight for anything. And Tavares knows Bentancur very, very well. And he wanted to take his time with Bentancur, you know, ever since he was with the under-20s, you know, and even before that. He was even quoted into saying, just before he was called up in 2017 at only 20 years old, Tavares said, look, I want to take my time with him, just like I took my time with Luis Suarez and just like I took my time with Edison Cavani. So, he, he, you know, it's not an easy thing to be a 20-year-old and be called up by somebody like Oscar Tavares, who really demands a lot of excellence, but at the but the most important thing, a lot of fight. And that's what Ben Tancur has. You know, obviously, uh, the, this, you know, the judgment on Ben Tancur is split between Juventus fans, but I think it's more to do with the system and the inconsistency of Juventus within itself. I think he is... If it happens, I will be very happy because I think he's the perfect type of player for Steven Gerrard because Steven Gerrard, above anything, demands, you know, 100% focus, determination, and in his case, to really cover a lot of ground. And I think a player like that can facilitate John McGinn's productivity because mm -hmm. then, you know, Bentancourt can really cover ground, you know, able to, you know, pass and move, et cetera. But now he's doing kind of the dirty work that we're, and John McGinn can focus a little bit more on, on being sort of, you know, part of that, you know, trio in front of him going up front. I think 24 years old, man, like he, he's, he's, and he's played, you know, he's been at the World Cup. Like he knows exactly what is required of him. It would be a very, very good acquisition, I think. Just, just a small piece that just popped into my mind there. Is it, is it typical for a Uruguayan player to maybe start off their career at Boca Juniors? You know, because Uruguay have, have such teams like the Nubo, Pinaral, and, and, and teams like that. And you usually tend to see that they make their, their, their breakthrough for these teams. But, you know, just I suppose I'm just really kind of drawing upon your South American kind of expertise here. Would it be, would it be normal for Boca Juniors to, to kind of have such, a, um, such trust in, um, in, in young players from around South America like that? Well, uh, you know... Yes and no. I mean, first of all, Uruguay and Argentina have a similar youth um, philosophies. So, you know, it, it would suit him better. But, you know, he came at Boca very, very early, right? So that's part mm -hmm. of the reason why it happened. And the cultural shift is really not, not really a problem for somebody uh, like Rodrigo Bentancur. But it does happen, specifically within South America, of course. And like I said, like the Uruguayan way of thinking is similar to the Argentinian, definitely in culture, definitely in the way they, they play their game and they train their, their development. So it does happen a lot. And Bentancur just happens to be, you know, a very good example of that. And by the way, also, because he was so highly sought by the national team setup, mm. it, was, it was not going to be a difficult, you know, situation for anybody involved to try and, and get his services. He, he's a very, listen, the most important thing for Bentancur when it comes to, and I, I keep going back to, because I said it on Twitter, it's like when you make the decision in judgment, and doing your analysis on Bentancur, you know, obviously do what you've seen from him in Juventus, but really take more into consideration what he does with his South American Uruguayan national team yes. setup. That's really where you're going to see more of a similarity of what Gerard wants, I think, just because of what we like to do in that middle, right? With Jacob Ramsey, McGinn, and then, you know, Douglas Luis currently covering at DM. And I think Bentancur can fit perfectly right there. 
yeah, as I said, I watched a couple of games of his, and it's interesting you mentioned you mentioned to watch him in in an international game and the difference uh, in the style of play. And I actually haven't, and I'm now going to go back and I'm going to see if I can find footage of him so that I can do that because a lot I've seen in Juventus is him being moved from pillar to post, played between two positions, sometimes in games been switched from six to eight back to six to try yeah. and plug holes essentially, and then the fans are getting on his back, and then you know he's. He's not the type of like when you think about uh, when you think about bring out the best in our players and you mentioned about John McGinn. John McGinn runs everywhere at a million miles an hour. Yeah, Rodrigo Bentancourt doesn't. He runs everywhere at 70, 80 miles an hour, and he's just he's a languid kind of relaxed style. And when you mentioned Paul Pogba, I I smiled not be- because I knew that you weren't comparing him to him, but he's got that long kind of rangy way about him. He moves, he glides, and he moves as opposed to looking like he's. You know, yeah. being really, really energetic, and he and can dictate play as well. That's it. Thing. So when you look at the analysis from before, I think uh, I would recommend that people look at some of the highlights in in the previous Copa America, where you know yeah. there's a lot of footage there that you can see just the kind of work that he could do for Aston Villa for sure. That's true. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, look, I don't want to I don't want to stereotype any nation, but you know, Uruguayans are very, very dogged. They're very, very um, hardworking. Oh, no, you know, it's with not regards even a stereotype, man. It's like, it's literally their thing. <laughs> Garra Charrua, which basically is the Uruguayan way of like, no, listen, if there's a 50-50 ball, I am dying for this ball. <laughs> and that's Uruguay. They will not stop. And that's and that's Bentancur. And that's, going back to my original point, that's the kind of thing that Steven Jared would absolutely love, I think. And notice the way I was going to try and pronounce that word, but I didn't. And I'm so <laughs> glad I didn't. And I'm so glad you did. So that's why I hesitated when I was talking about uh, about that dog and this, that, that your that you're Uruguayans are famous for. Um, but Bentancur, obviously, when he he's somebody who comes in, um, and, and and if he does come into the club, you know we're going to have a nice stable of midfielders. But yeah. today there was some there was some kind of murmurings and, and and discussions that maybe Douglas Louise could be on the trading block at the moment. There's Liverpool were were just recently linked, um, Newcastle, uh, Arsenal have been linked previously with with Douglas Louise and. I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know where I come down on this. I, I re- immediately when I saw it, I thought, "Ooh, that doesn't seem right. That seems like paper talk." But then I started thinking. I was going, "Maybe we are going to have to recoup money somewhere after spending this summer." But I don't want to lose Douglas Luiz because I think he was. I think he would play better as an eight if we bring in Bentancur as a six. Yeah. But do we become too bloated in midfield? And I suppose the question I'm asking you here, Luis Miguel, is: Does this one potentially have legs that, it, that he might move? Well, there is definitely interest, I can tell you uh, right now. Uh, you know, Arsenal are definitely interested. The other clubs, I wouldn't be surprised if not. So, you know, it's more about, you know, there's a list that, that, that certain clubs are, are, are paying attention to. And Douglas Luiz seems to be part of many clubs um, and what they need for the summer. I really don't, nothing I think is going to happen, obviously, in January, because the whole point as well from Aston Villa's perspective is like, we're not a selling club. Not anymore. We're here to build on our squad and and fight competitively for positions and then see what happens. So the summer would be maybe a situation when it happens. And to your point, you know, we're overloading that midfield number, especially we don't even know what's going to happen with Carney and stuff. So, you know, there's there's some there's a lot that has to be done uh, specifically once we hit May, June, etc. Now, in terms of Douglas Luiz as a player, I think we need to go back a little bit. I remember that the year of COVID hit and the league returned, you know, that tough year for Villa, he was 
instrumental uh, when we came back to play. Like, absolutely instrumental. And he's been, he's had to do a lot of things that are out of his natural, uh, you know, likes. Like, to your point, he, he, you know, he's, he's not your prototypical defensive midfielder. He's, he's somebody that likes to go a little bit higher in the pitch and move the chains and stuff. Technically gifted, one of the most technically gifted players that Villa has, I think. And very young still as well. And remember, we got him from Man City. Like, their academy is mm-hmm. just spoiled with choice that, you know, we got him pretty early on. So, you know, and it's because of, like, his minutes and his time with Aston Villa that, you know, uh, again, Brazil kept calling up as well. He's not part of this one, but, you know, definitely during the window and the campaign to make it to, to Qatar 2022. So there's a lot of good things there. And now that, you know, he knows the Premier League really well, et cetera, it's no surprise that many teams are coming in. Now, the second part of that, I am conflicted whether I want him to leave or not, partly because I think that once our midfield is completely set, we have the competition, mm-hmm. we have that depth, and he is able to play in the places where he wants to play, then I think we will see an even better version of, of Douglas Luiz. Uh, because at the moment, obviously, he has to make up for a lot of, of what's going on with Marvelous and the canvas's injury and stuff. But once we have a complete squad, I think, you know, obviously he would be just fantastic and, and, and be an added, you know, um, help when it comes to attacking in the midfield. And we've seen it already. He's been a great servant to the club. However, to your point, if we need to make some kind of money, he's the kind of player where I would say, listen, if he has to leave, I wish him all the best. And as long as we make some good money uh, from it and make up for what we want to achieve later on as well, it will help out. Because I'm telling you now, Rodrigo Bentancur, Lucas Dean, Felipe Coutinho, another center coming in, the summer is going to be yet more look at where we're looking to, to purchase as well. So if we so it's all about this. If he leaves, I wish him all the best in the summer, et cetera. And let's make sure that whoever's coming in is, 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 you know, is an addition that either replicates what he can offer or even improve it. And I think that's mm-hmm. going to happen. I have my full trust in Johan Lang and, and Steven Gerrard and, and Perslow because right now, why, why wouldn't we have trust? I mean, look what we did. Lucas Dean for an absolute bargain. Felipe Coutinho, you know, uh, all these uh, loans that are coming out now that are going to benefit our youth academy products. So all these things that are coming in right now, so far, so good. So let's keep trusting the process uh, with a lack of a better phrase. I have so I have another player's name written down on my, te- on my, uh, okay, give my it podcast to sheet here. Um, I don't know whether I want to, Luis. Well, the reason being is because if I mention his name, there'll be about a forty-five thousand comments saying that people don't want well, him to. Well, you want to right? So you might as well. <laughs> no, and I can completely understand because of past transgressions. But we have been linked with another Uruguayan player. Yeah, in the not so distant past. <laughs> I know. Um, where you're going with this. A man moving. A man that's not going to sign a new contract at Atletico Madrid. And uh, in one sentence or less, I think Luis Miguel. What would be your feelings on um, he who's uh, Mr. Suarez that yeah. you mentioned who asked Liverpool to take care of Coutinho? And that's why I, I popped his name. I wrote it down mid-podcast to see. And I said, oh, I don't know what I ask about him. But uh, right as well. I mean, it's out there, right? It's, it, it's no secret. Listen, okay. I, I would be extremely conflicted about it. But let's, let's add some context here. I don't think it's a surprise at all that a, Luis Suarez is just thinking about his future, okay? Mm. Uh, he's not a young buck anymore. 
He's got to think about his family, his own, you know, situation. He's achieved almost everything he has in his career. I'm sure he has, you know, thoughts of, you know, could I, you know, it's two roads for him, right? Do I give it one more year to try and win some more silverware in Europe? Or, you know, definitely will be getting some offers from MLS as well. And that's always appealing to a South American or a player that's played in Europe their whole life and then thinking about, you know, doing a, a different type of journey. Look at Lorenzo Insigne, of course, going yes. to Toronto from Napoli. So there's there's that situation. So there's that. The other part is like, again, don't be surprised because, again, Steven Gerrard and Luis Suarez are very good friends. You know, it's it, of course, it would be something that would interest him. Um, but I think from the other side, the reason why I'm conflicted is because I want us to think about the striker position, the center forward mm -hmm. position, as not uh, a band-aid over a gunshot wound, meaning that we just try and get an yes. older player and, and see if they can help us for a year. But somebody that's you know, 25, 26, maybe a little younger, who is now very, very ambitious, uh, has a lot of perseverity and talent and can help us for not just one year but three or four that's what i'm hoping for so you know i'm thinking about Gio simeone maybe diego simeone's son who's killing it in city out you know players like that that you know that 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 are just beginning that career and we're getting them at the right moment because those are the are the jewels that can help us having said that i understand that there would be an interest because I think there's a perfect balance in a squad, which includes three things that are fundamental. One is, you know, developing your youth and talent in your own academy. We're doing that already. Okay. Mm. Two, um, you know, players that know the Premier League really well. Doesn't matter if they're, you know, internationals or or or, or born in England. We're doing that. And three, players that have been there, that have done it, mm. that understand what it takes to win. The, you know, the biggest, highest of the peaks. And again, we're doing that as well, Felipe Coutinho, et cetera. And Emiliano Martinez, of course, who just won Copa America with Argentina this past summer. So we have those three things. So Luis Suarez would fit in one of them. It's just that I also don't like the idea of us becoming like this retro Liverpool side. <laughs> like I want us to kind of become, you know, something more. And, and uh, the center forward position is one that I really want us to think very carefully about because look at Ollie Watkins, right? That we, we, can, we can do that again. You know, it doesn't have to be an English-born, but it can be, you know, I mentioned Simeone, of course, but there's so much more talent all over the, the world that I think that we could really price ourselves in getting something big. So, you know, it depends on many factors. I'm conflicted about it. But again, I trust Johan Lang and Steven Gerrard. I just, I just want to make sure that we have that right balance of, you know, local youth product, Jake and Ramsey, players that know the Premier League, et cetera, that's all over the, our team. And, of course, uh, world-class talent like Coutinho, et cetera. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with the Luis Suarez thing. Uh, you know that look, whatever anybody thinks about him, um, from that point of view, if the club gets him, they're better. Like they, they better be able to show the the, I suppose the the roadmap of number one how they're going to use him, and then also how they're also going to going to look into the future towards that that position too as well. Like you know, you mentioned a couple of players there in Europe. Do I'd be absolutely thrilled. And I'm going to mention this because I spoke. I'm going to say that I spoke Rodrigo Bentancur into existence by by mentioning him as a throwaway name in a podcast I did previously about four weeks ago. But if we were to take Luka Jovic from uh, Real Madrid and do a reclamation project on him, I'd be absolutely delighted with that yeah, too. If, I, he, I if also, he is reclaimable, I met him as well. Uh, I did an interview with 
him as well with Sports Illustrated as well. Very focused young man, obviously very ambitious. Things didn't go well at the very beginning oh. of his career with Real Madrid, but you can't deny the talent. I mean, you know, he's, he's so great. So exactly. I'm looking for players like that, I think, that can help us. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, look, either way, either way, we're mentioning names here that would have been pipe dreams. Yeah, keep them coming, man. I, you know I love to talk about the villa. My wife doesn't let me talk about the villa. Do it right now. I'm exactly the same. I'm exactly the same. Well, I, I don't have any more names on my list, I'm sure. Well, I'll <laughs> I'm tell you sure. one thing. You, you know, I, I will say this, okay? I, I think the way that we're doing the January transfer window right now is excellent, okay? We're, we're, we're covering bases that we needed. And by the way, forgetting about Leon Bailey's return as well, that's going to be a nice Absolutely. headache for Steven Gerrard, you know? But, you know, a defensive midfielder, a centre-back, you know, because of Axel Twansuebe's exit, they're, they're key. Defensive midfielder-wise... I've been talking about this for three and a half years, and I'm glad I have another megaphone on your podcast to, to say it again. But and I'm Peruvian, but Renato Tapia is yes. somebody that I really want us to get in the summer if it can be in January, which I don't think it will happen. Celta Vigo, uh, he's the future captain of Peru. If you're watching any World Cup qualifiers and you're watching Peru, Colombia on Friday, please just focus on Renato Tapia. He is literally what we need the epitome of a defensive midfielder that does it all and he's young he's ambitious he's smart and he's peruvian you know so you know there, there's another advantage there so that's somebody that i hope we can get but as, we need a defensive midfielder the great greg evans said it already that there's a focus on that and we need a center back so if we can get that in january listen i know that top half of the table is a realistic goal for everybody but why not Europe? Let's just go for it. Let's see what can happen. Obviously, it's not going to be easy. But if we try and, you know, achieve that, maybe, maybe not. It, it can happen. But there's no shame in having high ambitions. That's If, if Stephen Jarrett can teach you anything, it's that. So hopefully we can do it. But that's a player that I hope that we can focus on. But a DM and a center back, an absolute must. Absolutely. And you know what? You've got me all, all riled up with positivity now as, as we come to the end of the podcast, because as the saying goes, if we reach for the stars, at least you'll fall in the clouds. You know, uh, that's that's my corny saying for this podcast. Uh, it's beautiful. And when it's done with an Irish accent, it's even better. That's great. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely excellent. Well, Luis, we're going to thank you so much for popping on. It's always a pleasure and honor to talk to you. Um, if anybody isn't, look, I hate, I, I feel patronizing doing this. And I think I said it to you the last time. If anybody isn't following Luis, we're going to please catch him on Twitter. It's fine. Many know? people don't follow absolutely. me. It's okay. <laughs> they, well, they should. They should follow you. They absolutely should follow you. And that's what, that's what this is about. And also, I meant it when I said it at the start, you know, the Keiko Lazzo podcast. Um, Check it out. It's actually it's really really good, and uh, you'd expect nothing, no, no, nonetheless from uh, from Luis, Luis Miguel as well. And uh, there's a lot of familiar faces on that you might see from other parts as well on that podcast. So check it out. Check it out. No spoilers. No spoilers. Oh, I really um, appreciate it, Neil. Thank you so much, buddy. <laughs> absolutely. Well, that's going to do for today, everybody. Thanks so much for uh, watching. Thanks so much for listening. If you just could give this a little. Thumbs up thingy on YouTube. I'd really, really appreciate it. Uh, we're going to be back with loads more transfer talk. Um, Paddy is not gone. Do not uh, do not adjust your sets. Paddy is not gone. He will be back soon. Uh, just has some more commitments at the moment. And uh, if anything breaks with the Rodrigo Bentancur piece or the Douglas Louise piece or any other name that's yet, yet to break, we will be back and we will cover that with you as well. So once again, thank you so much to Luis Miguel. Thank you so much to the rest of you, to everybody out there for watching and for listening. And all that's left to say is up the villa. Up the villa!
Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.